Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Sister Radio. In this show, we're talking with Joni Rapier of Cantina Stance Project and the Groovaloos. In the show, we're talking about diversity, love, and faith. This is Sister Radio. So I'm here with Miss Joni Rapier, one of the most fabulous people I know. Say hey, Joni. Oh. <laughs> Hello, hello. You were quite fabulous yourself. <laughs> I feel like it's so funny because um, when I first met you, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I first met you, like I automatically felt comfortable, and which doesn't necessarily uh, happen all the time. Do people tell you that? You know what? I, well, yes, actually, they do. They do tell me that, and it's such it's it's one of the best compliments I can get because. That, I just love that. I love the fact that I can meet people and they immediately let down their guard, which is just so important because then you can have great conversations with them without walls being up and, and just really being yourself. So that allows me to be myself too. So when people are comfortable, it's a win-win for everybody. So I love that. Yeah, love it, it is a win-win. We need more <laughs> Jonies in the world. So Joni, in the um, intro that I did for you, you, you'll hear it later when you listen back to the show, but I just let okay. everyone know a little bit about you, that you work with Cantina's Dance Project, and that you and your husband are founding members of the Groovaloos, and now you manage them, um, but what have I left out? Can you just share a little bit about yourself for anybody who doesn't know you yet? Yeah, what's so interesting about that is that you just you just mentioned two things that are dance. And I don't even consider myself a dancer, which is really funny. Um, probably because I came into it so late. Um, I grew up in San Diego, and um, I went through school, and I did lots of sports. I loved sports, but I also got into cheerleading. So that was kind of my first introduction to dance because we did a lot of dance. Now, this was in the 80s, so we were doing, you know, all those fun cabbage patch and, um, oh my gosh, I can't even think of them right now, um, the Roger Rabbit certain dances so i've always loved dance but i was never funky and <laughs> <laughs> i was never I was funky <laughs> i was the i was the cheerleader type dancer and so i then throughout um school i went to san diego state i always kind of had a, a bit of an interest not like as a career but an interest just to keep moving in so i took you know maybe a, a random ballet class here or a modern class here but you know few and far between so when i moved to la um I was pursuing acting, and lo and behold, I met Bradley, the hip-hop extraordinaire who became my husband a year later. I met him in acting class, and we became friends, and he was like, hey, you want to come take my hip-hop class? And I was like, ooh, hip-hop, what's that? Let me go try that. <laughs> so that was my introduction, really, to the dance world in L.A., um, which was the hip-hop dancing now. This was mid-90s. Wow. Mid-90s. So, um... So, yeah, so I actually went to school for graphic design, and I'm just one of those people, I'm very spontaneous, always have been, so I um, went to school for graphic design, took an acting class, said, oh my gosh, I want to be an actress, so graduated, thankfully I did get my degree in graphic design, but then a few months later, said, 
I'm heading off to LA. I'm going to be a famous actress. <laughs> and and then met my husband and decided to become a hip hop professional dancer instead. <laughs> well, and so. I was I was going to say when you say like I wasn't I didn't wasn't funky. I'm like lies you tell because I've seen you <laughs> dance. You funky. No, no, you don't understand. But okay, so the funk came later. Okay, so, okay, okay. I get that. The, the funny thing is, is that Bradley, you know, took me to his hip hop class, and of course, you know, I'm a girl. He's checking me out. He's not just my friend. He's He's kind of checking me out too. So I came to his class. But mind you, this is mid 90s. He was teaching hip hop aerobics at Gold's Gym. I showed up in my spandex because that's what you did. But he was still on the funky side of it. So when this girl showed up in spandex, he goes, Oh no. And he wasn't sure whether he wanted to pursue something with me because I was so unfunky. Wait, was it because, okay, because I was born in the 90s, but I don't really remember the 90s like I remember the early 2000s. Was spandex like very white girl and he wanted you to come in in parachute pants and like I, I don't know so, yeah well the thing is I was thrown off I, I mean honestly I didn't know what hip-hop was at that time um but I showed up for an aerobics class I didn't show up for a hip-hop class so there was a difference but he was teaching with a bunch of women who were in spandex and I'm like how was I supposed to know so it took a while and I finally figured out kind of how to dress myself but um that was always a challenge i'm sure he liked the spandex i'm sure he liked it <laughs> i don't think he minded it in some way yes, oh exactly. bradley i hope he doesn't blush listening to this but actually and just a little bit about about bradley because I, I know we're talking with you and you're kind of uh, the woman behind the man but um he was recently in la la land he's an award-winning yeah. dancer i mean you two have really gotten to see and do so much in the hip-hop community and entertainment community yeah it's been amazing i think um you know my husband came to la but he was a he was a he he was he was part of a street dance group up in Canada before he came to the states, and they toured. They had a lot of success up there. They were like the first street dance group called Streetscape. And then he went to Vancouver. He was a really successful teacher up there, but he really wanted to make his way to LA. So he eventually got to LA, and he got to dance in the Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, which was fantastic. You know, music videos. He was choreographing, and very early on, we started the Groovaloos, and so we met. Um, in 95, got married in 96, and that same year we started the Groovaloos, but it, w- it didn't really get formed. We started playing around with the idea of having a group, and we actually won like a major dance competition in LA in 96, but it wasn't until 99 he got hired along with an amazing dancer named uh, Jerry Randolph, who's a flow master. Who's a, you look him up, he is extraordinary dancer. Um, he pe- partnered with him and they did a humongous million he was they were part of a million dollar sketcher industrial in vegas and atlanta um around 98 and that took off like street dancing became really huge and bradley formed the groovaloos and really it was one of the first groups that incorporated all the different styles of street dancing so it had popping it had locking it had breaking um and at that time a lot of the groups were all segregated like you had a break you you had a crew you had a breaking crew or you were a group of poppers like the electric boogaloos or you're the lockers the Campbell lockers um from back in the day but Bradley started, I mean, I don't know if he was the very first, but it wasn't happening very often. And we got a lot of notoriety notoriety in 1999 when he put together a group of people and we performed. Debbie Allen was the host downtown L.A. for National Dance Day. And that group of people became the Groovaloos. Wow. Yeah. I like hearing you talk shop. I love hearing you, uh, you know. 
thank you. I usually hear my husband saying all this, so this is almost like my first time that I get to talk shop, so it's kind of fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, so yeah, my, I was just going to say, in regards to Bradley, yeah, he recently was in La La Land. That, that's just one of those great gigs that, you know, he, he knows the choreographer, and she calls him in, and he, they're like, yeah, we'll have you in this. It, you know, that was a really fun. I saw him. I saw him in of. his pink shirt. That pink shirt really stood out. I thank the wardrobe stylist who ever put him in that. That was awesome. She knew what she was doing. That's really she cool. Did. So you guys, am I, I, I hope I'm understanding the time frame. So you yeah. meet Bradley, you guys fall in love, get married, and then you started the Groovaloos. <laughs> yes, that's pretty much that same. Well, it, yes, it, it was kind of like a soft launch, but then it really took off in 99. Okay. When he partnered with Flowmaster, and that really was the start of the Groovaloos. So what do you love about the Groovaloos? Well, okay, we are going back now. We are talking 1999, and where are we? We're 2017. So a lot has happened yeah. in between then and now. Well, the Groovaloos was just, for me, okay, honestly, I started dancing, you know, very late. So I bowed out really quickly because I wanted to have a family. We started a family in 2000. We had our son, Marcus, in 2001, got pregnant in 2000. So I only had... I only had a very short time um, dancing with them, actually. Um, I danced with Bradley a lot from 90, <clears throat> pardon me, from 96 um, to 2000. But I, I became more the manager. I was doing the graphic designs because I was like, I want to be with my son. I'm not going to some late rehearsals and dragging an infant. And what happened, too, was, mind you, my husband had a lot of faith in my dancing. But to be honest, I was I was not that experienced. So the groovers were, were way past my abilities. They they are were the they are and were the best dancers in LA by far. I mean, like our dancers from '99, Allison Falk, who was the very first member along with Bradley and I and another guy named Lionel Rye. She choreographs now. She, she's choreographing <laughs> Magic Mike in Vegas. Like she oh. Madonna. She choreographs for Madonna. She choreographs for Pink. She's like Come the, on. the absolute top in choreography right now and she was one of our first ones so like those types of people were and are in the Groovaloos so I quickly had to bow out because my skills were nowhere close to um, some of these amazing dancers who really were and are the best dancers that are in LA but you've been a part of it really yes throughout. Of yeah 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 of course so yeah. now you're managing them yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's been a ride. I mean, one of the most amazing things about the Groovaloos that happened was that Bradley, along with his team, put together a stage show that actually ended up going on tour and played off Broadway in New York, um, and that was definitely the highlight of the Groovaloos so far. And that was tremendous that we had an opportunity to do that. That's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So what is it like being a white woman in hip-hop? I'm really curious what your <laughs> response is going to be. Well, you know, if you asked a white person in hip-hop in another state, they would give you a completely different answer, of course. So for me, race has no relevance in hip-hop whatsoever. Um, there has there it hasn't had any relevance. Like, relevance. It's literally a non-conversation for me. So I... I the Groovaloos are made up of every color you can think of and lots of different ethnicities. So um, it's really about the funk. Like if you bring the funk and the flavor, nobody cares what you look like. You could be thin, chubby. You could be tall, short. You can be any ray of color. Nobody cares. You bring the funk, you're, you're playing ball. There's, there's, and, and I'm speaking from somebody in Los Angeles. So what, I, what I do hear about, but I don't experience because I, I don't really travel 
around the country very much. Um, there's a lot that we do in LA and New York, but those are melting pots. That's where you find every color and, and people from all around the world and everybody's accepted. It really is an accepting community of people. Um, race really i mean of course you're going to find that one or two boneheads that are ridiculous but i actually don't know of them but um being white like that's a non-issue it really has been um like i said you bring the funk and nobody cares (laughs) yeah 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 well i always think of like well i know this is funk and this isn't hip-hop but you know that's that song that play that funky music white ball. <laughs> yes i'm sure i've danced to that <laughs> you know like and i always to me i always gravitated my favorite genres happen to be hip-hop and reggae which are predominantly mm-hmm. black artists or mm-hmm. considered to be part of black culture and right. um so i'm i was interested to see what you you said and yeah. even though i think somebody could maybe take apart what you're saying and like dissect it yeah. in a in a negative way I understand sure. what you're saying you're saying that it's inclusive that hip-hop isn't yeah. just for one group of people it's for everyone absolutely and um what I realize though is it's also your attitude that you bring to the circle they in, in hip-hop they call it the circle the cypher where you freestyle which is really the the base for what hip-hop and street dance breaking is is the cypher and the thing is is that if you bring a negative attitude into that circle whether it be towards somebody else's dancing somebody else's color of skin or whatever that's on you and and you just that gets pushed aside within the community because community just doesn't tolerate that it really is an accepting community um and so but and again i'm speaking from my experience in los angeles or even the times that i've spent in new york and also i've spent time in canada where my husband's from and it just honestly i'm so happy to say that there's so much you know hate out there that people talk about and see on tv but it really doesn't play out especially when you come to los angeles like i know there's hard areas out there in the world and and in the states but i personally don't have that experience to speak on but that's so that's so encouraging to me i yeah I don't know what the difference is between New York and L.A. I don't know if there's just, like, a lot of similarities. But I know that right now race is a really big issue in in yeah. the world. But specifically right now, I'm just, like, talking about being an American and uh, yeah. raising your children and being married yeah. to being white and being married to a black man and having interracial, interracial children. What is yeah. What has it been like for you? Have there been you know, hurdles you've had to jump over? Has it been a process where you just feel like it's ongoing of learning and connecting? What is it like for you? Um, I'm so glad you're asking me this because I hope people who are listening understand. And I say this with complete and utter honesty because sometimes people do not believe me when I say this. But I can tell you with complete honesty, my husband and I have been married for 21 years, 21 years. And we have never felt the effects of somebody's, um, uh, what do you call it? Their negative negativity towards our relationship. And I attribute it because I have many friends who, because L.A., oh my gosh, we're so mixed up. I have so many friends that are white and black mixed couples. Um, I have so many friends that have actually a different experience than my husband and I. And... If, if, and I have thought long and hard on this, and I think the primary, one, one of the differences, one of the difference really has been that our attitudes. My husband and I, we don't walk around with chips on our shoulders or, you know, an attitude of, oh, this is my black man or this is my white woman. Like, we, 
my kids didn't even know that we were white and black. We never talked to them about it because it was a non-issue. We don't talk to them about what color they are or, you know, that their mom and dad is different. Like they were raised in a home with a mom and a dad that love them. And so I know other families who have actually taught their kids. I actually had some neighbors once who who told me that they were teaching their three-year-olds that black people are black and white people are white and that's a race and like really breaking it down and they were telling me that my husband was black in color and I was like so confused I'm like wait you're teaching your kids that my kid my husband's black but my husband's not black he's brown I mean there's a a race and there's ethnicity and you know they were they were very confused so my kids didn't understand and they didn't need to know we're teaching our kids something that they, my kids go to school with all different colored kids. They don't know what, where they're from. You know, they might know, oh, they're from Mexico or they're from, you know, Canada or Africa, but they don't put a label on them. And, and I think that's where some people go wrong is that they maybe marry somebody for the color of their skin and not for who they are. So that could be in their relationship from the get go, or they walk around with the attitude that somebody is going to be upset at this so I'm going to put up an attitude first so I've just discovered that my husband definitely being raised in Canada he has a different attitude and a different perspective on race but um but we honestly I'm so that like for, for instance one time we were traveling through Canada we drove from uh Calgary back down to Los Angeles and we stopped in a small town I think Montana and there was a waitress that like didn't come up to our table for a long time so we could sit there and go oh my gosh I bet she's not coming up to us because we're an interracial couple I bet that's it or we can sit there and go excuse me ma'am can you wait on us and she may have had an attitude towards us but we're not going to sit there and dwell on it and we're not going to wonder whether she doesn't like our race or it's like you know what we've actually never had somebody go far enough to like be like i don't agree with this or you know yelling in her face or anything thankfully but i think when you smile and you let people know hey this is okay like we love each other like this is based in absolute love and there's nothing wrong with two people who might be of different skin color getting together and loving each other once you i think put that energy out there it changes people's minds. Well, I love hearing that your experience has been really positive because this is interesting. I wasn't even thinking to bring this up at all, but I had a boss that I worked for in LA in, in Hollywood. And, Uh um, there was somebody who I was interested in and we had kind of seen each other a little bit and we were, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend, but she knew about him and she asked to see a picture and he was black. And I didn't think to say, Oh, he's black in my saying, I'm seeing this guy and I like him. And, um, so I didn't say anything to her and she was the first words out of her mouth were he's black. What are you doing with a black guy? And I was like, so, and this is somebody who like grew up in New York, like has always been in a city, has like lots of people around her from all different cultural backgrounds. So I was so shocked. And she had told me, she like did a sit down and she said, you should be with somebody who's from the same race or you're going to have to really go through some struggles because people don't like to see it. And I was livid. I was so mad because everything in me was like, you're wrong. I'm not one of those people who walks around being like, color doesn't matter I think color is important it's like people identify with what color they are and and we should celebrate it there's a reason why we're all different colors and it's beautiful let's celebrate you know but um so I'm I'm really interested I was really interested to hear what you said well, and, and, and I mean, I don't want to candy coat it either. I mean, there have been circumstances actually, but not within like Riley and I as a couple, but individually. Um, <clears throat> for instance, my dad was not 
excited about me dating a black guy. I didn't bring that up. But but also it's because that's not at the forefront of my mind. I'm not walking around remembering and 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 uh, you know and meditating on all the times I've been offended or or yeah. all the times somebody has had a, a negative comment. But my father actually was not down for me dating a black guy and he and I didn't know this really. I mean, growing up they were raised uh my 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 parents were from texas and san diego and uh raised partially in like virginia so they knew what they had been taught but growing up my parents were great to everybody but i knew that there was maybe um some racism in the back of their head but they didn't really understand why they felt the way they did they just knew that that's what they were taught so when i started dating bradley my 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 mom shortly actually passed away after um, i got married um, and my mom was my mom was absolutely fine with Bradley, um, but my 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 dad was like, I don't know if I agree with this interracial stuff. And and I had a great conversation about it. I was like, What do you mean, my, Jackie? My sister's been dating a Mexican for a long time. That's interracial. He goes, Well, I mean black people. And I'm like, Oh, well, what do you have against them? Well, he he didn't know. He really didn't know. And he was like, Well, my friends and I tell jokes about him. <laughs> I was like, Dad. <laughs> You're like, I'm more of that. No, you mean you can't tell your jokes anymore? I'm like, come on, Dad. You know, so, I mean, but after that, you know, he spent time with Bradley and he got to know him, not as the black guy, but as this is Bradley. And so we go into situations sometimes with these stereotypes of these ideas, but that's the thing is that we don't want to run away from them. Like the, your friend saying, Oh, don't do that because then you'll have mixed kids and they're going to have problems. No, we can't, we can't think that. Oh, or like my kids, they've had no problems. They, they, they uh, I mean, I know we're in LA. It's different when you're in LA. I know that different States and different communities have different beliefs. Sure. Um, but in LA, it's, it's such a beautiful melting pot of people. I love it. It's, it, it's really a great place to live for. Um, that's one of the reasons that's really great is all the different, people that are here and for acceptance. sure for sure yeah. la is so progressive and yeah very I've, i mean it's got its problems but it's pretty accepting <laughs> oh, yeah yes <laughs> yes let's talk about this this housing market and the prices we pay yeah no. oh yeah it's crazy <laughs> well so like with everything going on then with the political climate yeah. and things being talked about on the news and the sound bites and you know um, black men and women being, or people of color, not even just black men and women being, you know, shot and brutalized by the police. How has all of this affected you or affected your children or yeah. How has that affected you? What you're seeing in the news? Um, you know, it's a very sad thing to say. It's a very sad thing to see. Of course. Um, it's heart wrenching, um, for everybody and and some of the things that are heart-wrenching are really just how messed up our media is um and so it's hard to know what's true and it's really difficult to um get um real facts these days so um i think what's so important to focus on is is getting facts and also not jumping to conclusions before knowing all the facts so i think unfortunately i've seen I, I've seen, you know, there, there, there's both sides, right? There are black people being shot. There are also tons of white people being shot. There are cops that are racist. There are cops that are great. And we will always have that. We will always have good and bad cops. And we will always have good and bad people in the world of all kinds of colors. So for me, it, it's heart-wrenching because I do think that there have been 
of course some some unnecessary shootings and and some of them are based on race and some are just based on fear you know cops fear for their lives sometimes too uh, of course you know um so for me it's it's a difficult topic to t- talk on because i think you can't talk about it without talking about how the, the media is so skewed because if you really look at facts and really investigate facts you'll see that the the the, the problems that we're having with race and cops and, and, and black men are, are so much deeper and they're so, so it's so troubling on so many levels. Um, so it's, I, I don't want to speak on something that I'm not 100% sure, sure of. I don't want to, I don't want to um, do I that, but I, it, it's been, it's been, it, you know, it hasn't been in the news quite as much recently, but when it was going on, I remember, you know, going on Facebook and, and seeing the, the hurting people. And it, it hurts me to see so many black people hurting that way, yeah. to see them scared and to see them. But at the same time, what was infuriating me even more was that so many facts were not known before this cop was i mean cops have such an amazingly difficult job i mean people don't really realize that they put their lives on on the line and to see that media coverage shift people's idea of cops being bad and do you know what that can do to a society when we no longer trust authority like that is chaos and so for me, the the bigger issue than blacks being shot, the bigger issue was the facts were not being told correctly, and people were just, just so upset at, at the authority that people started taking it into their own hands, and now cops are getting shot. And and if we don't have authority, if we don't have police, we don't have safety. Yeah. There, there's so many things that are being broken down during this time, and I think the scarier thing is that we're not trusting our our policemen anymore that's scarier i think than believing that there's some cops out there that want to shoot black men i think that number is so incredibly small and and will get us in trouble yeah it's it's a really hard um thing to fully comprehend especially like i mean for me i won't i won't speak for you at all but for me you know i'm a white girl who grew up in the burbs my struggles are don't have anything to do with race and i've never even had Uh to really think about it but a lot of my friends who are people of color whether they're latino or they're black really it's something on the forefront of their mind and i actually just recently watched i don't know if you have netflix but if you haven't seen it yet it was really interesting um it's called 13th and it's a documentary about the 13th amendment yeah and it's I, I think it's different you know I did grow up in near New England near New York so it's um, the view of race is very different than in the South. I just visited my best friend. Yeah. She does missionary work in West Virginia in the poorest county in the U.S. And they are so racist. They use the oh, wow. N-word. And, and it's very segregated. Like, yeah. this is a, a black area. And I just realized, you know... There's things that are systemic that have been passed down since we brought slaves from Africa. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of white people, we don't really see it because it's not something we have to to think about. But I think that there is like, but we can't. Our default position needs to be love. I keep saying this, like, yes, and thank you for saying that, Isabel, because that's really the ultimate is that if we continue to spread hate, like like we are getting angry right we're getting angry that these things are happening and then they're protesting but then these protests become violent or people go out shooting cops it's like the answer like to racist cops needs to be love right because it can't be hate on hate yeah 
because that's where our society is going to crumble. So you're absolutely right. The answer has to always be love if we want to change anything. Thank you so much for talking about this because, like, I know it's not easy and it's so easy to feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And that was a tough one for me to say. And also, I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, pro just, I mean, I am pro cop, but I'm not just pro cop. I mean, I'm, I am married to a black man. Um, and, and his perspective is actually quite even stronger than mine on the same thing. He, he's, he's, he's all for love and he's all for peace. And, and just seeing the hurt that is happening through misinformation is one of our biggest problems right now. Misinformation, um, the facts that are not facts that are being put out there, social media and how they just take something small and run with it. That's really, I think, should be our biggest fear right now. Yeah. Yeah, and false information is a major problem. Yeah. It should yes. not be happening. Um, yeah, true. So let's change gears a little bit. Um, yeah. Just in the next few minutes, I know we only got a couple minutes, but I wanted to ask you, so faith is a big part of your life. I, I know it is because I know you. Yes. <laughs> um, how has having faith shaped who you are as a person? Oh, my goodness. Okay, how long can I speak for? Because this is the longest cut. No, Go however long you is, are. You have a long no, this is a, this is a good one because it's so incredibly crucial and important. Um, I, I became a woman of faith, like a real, like saved, accepted Jesus, really said I'm going to live by faith when I was when well do i want to give away my age wait how about we just say the year in 2004 in 2004 so really it's been you know 13 years 13 years of uh living by faith and it has been an amazing process and one that i wish i could have started sooner um and i know one of the questions you wanted to ask me if i don't mind i got a few questions ahead of time um was just what would i change 20 years ago and really i i wish i would have was living by faith earlier because once you start that that path of living by faith you know God doesn't say that life will always be easy, but when you can live by faith and live amongst other people who also have faith and who are grounded in love, which is what the Bible and Jesus is all about, is love. Love first. Um, like, life could not be better, honestly. Um, and, when, and when and when you do have faith, those, those things that you get to um, do in community with other people with faith, you know, reading the Bible that has just so so many verses to live by that really can just change your life from a life of worry um you know the, the bible verses that that i stand on all the time jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for i know the plans i have for you declare the lord that one it's like knowing that god has a plan for me i i don't want to just lay in bed all day you know i've had bouts of make short-term depression or feeling like this world is overwhelming but my faith has gotten me not just through but I've been able to live a joyful life, a joyful life beyond the circumstances of my life. My husband and I went through a really difficult financial time in 2013, and and through our faith, and only through our faith, were we able to, to look back on that year, and it was actually one of the best years of our life, the year that we had to get people, people were donating money to us so we didn't lose our house that we were able to eat like we literally had no work and we had no savings and it was through our faith and through our attitude uh that was provided through through community through church that got us through that time so faith is humongous as you can tell Mm. (laughs) very passionate about that yeah yeah that's good i know that's gonna help somebody out there who's going through something for sure yeah 
Yeah. Community and, is huge. And having joy. I mean, life is short. YOLO. Yeah, life is short. <laughs> and you need to be able to have faith when you're going through the hard stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I heard really a long time ago, um, I believe it's in Will, um, Marianne Williamson's speech that she... I think Nelson Mandela gave the speech. I can't remember the year. It was in the 90s. And, and this is something that... I, I give people this this little nugget every time I see somebody that just has a bad attitude towards something going on in their life. Say attitude, having a good attitude overcomes the battle. 90% of, of what's going on is attitude and 10% is just your circumstances. So if you can have a positive attitude, because the way I look at it is God has this amazing puzzle he's putting together. He's got this amazing life for you and either a puzzle or connecting of the dots. And when we maybe make a mistake or something doesn't quite go our way, he redirects us. And 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 he's redirecting our path all the time, but we can't see what he's doing. So sometimes we could be grumbling that we didn't get that job or that relationship didn't work out. Or maybe something's happening with our kid or, or whatever it might be, our health, that God is ultimately in control. And if we can just keep the faith that God is mm. going to make good. And be joyful because the thing is, God's God could have just redirected your path out of a car accident or out of you know an investment that you a horrible investment. You know, no matter what's going on in your life, we don't know all the time what God is doing for us. So that's why we're joyful in all circumstances because we don't know what He's doing behind the scenes. It's like it's like when somebody does something and you don't know who did it for you or whatever. It's like you don't know that somebody did something for you and and you. I actually don't know what I'm saying right there. But no, but then you find out, and then you're like, yeah. oh, that's who. That's what was going on. Yeah, like we don't always know, and that's why, that is what faith is. We don't know what's going on. So isn't it a better life to live being sure that God has something great for us ahead? Like that's what I live in, because living in L.A., there's there's another gig that's waiting to happen there's you know we're always living in that expectation of something great is coming and or we can sit here and go something bad's gonna happen like what which way would you like to live i have practiced and it takes practice you don't overnight become a positive person i've practiced my whole life expecting something great Mm, i love that that's really cool okay so the final question i want to ask you is what does being a woman and a sister mean to you okay and do you mean sister as in i've got some sisters (laughs) it can mean whatever you want it to mean i mean for the most part sisters can mean so many things i have three sisters (laughs) yeah it's a hard question well yeah talk a little bit about that if you want i mean because i know you have your sisters but then you have probably girlfriends who feel like sisters yes um I would say, well, being a woman, I mean, hey, I've got two kids. Let me tell you, I feel sorry for my husband all the time because I'm like, you know what? You you never get to give birth and know what it's like. <laughs> I mean, because men, oh, my gosh, fathers are so incredibly important. They give their children something that we can't. But as women, the, 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 the bond that we have through giving birth and breastfeeding and just, you know, loving them as God has made us to love on children like I am so thankful to be a woman because that bond that I have with my kids and the love I have for them is unlike anything you know it's a different love of course than I have for my husband so um so I would say being a mother but I mean just being a woman I think we're so I mean like God gave me a great intuition he's given me discernment certain traits that are sometimes a little bit more women than than man um 
and just, yeah, loving, like I've been prophesied over about uh, mothering, not giving birth anymore, that's done, but just of having, and like, I've, I've had, you know, like young men who I, who we um, are in our dance groups, like go, can I just get a mom hug from you? Mm. You know, they're missing their moms, their mom live in another state, and like, to give that to somebody, and to just love on, love on people, I really love that, that's awesome, so to me, being a woman is really equal to love like we are called to love so I love that and being a sister I I do have quite a few friends I'm working on really nurturing some you know in LA people are so busy so I feel like I've I've got a lot of friends and I really you know I'm holding tight to those ones who I who I've been doing life with for a while but it's so important to have girlfriends and to have I love my sisters um they're dear to me they're blood and it's just so important because we need, we are supposed to do life in fellowship. We're not supposed to do life alone. So it's so important to be there for each other, especially, yeah. especially women, because women need, guys love to go off and be in their, their, their men cave, right? Their man cave. But women, we really need each other and we need to be there for each other. Um, yeah. I love it. Well, I always say it's women supporting women. I mean, the things women can do, we are like unbelievable in the capacity that we have. Raise children, be a wife, be yeah. a friend, be a sister, be a daughter, like all of the things that we encompass. So I think you hit the nail right yeah. on the head. And, and for a short period of time, be a professional hip hop dancer. Just <laughs> and, and then eventually get funky. <laughs> I love it. Now, now we'll have to now I'll have to send you a video clip of the, the, that one time I was funky. <laughs> well, I've seen you get funky in church. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joni, for coming on Sister Radio. It's such a pleasure. Ah, uh, Isabel, thank you so much for having me. It, that was really, really fun. Thank you so much. You're I hope so I spoke. Luck. I hope I spoke to somebody out there and um and inspired them today. I know That's you did. That's my goal. Well, we awesome. love you, and we'll have to see you on the funky side. <laughs> Full show. <laughs> okay. Bye, Joni. Thank you so much. Bye. You've been listening to Sister Radio. That was awesome. We don't really get to talk about race as much as I I want to on Sister Radio because I think it's an important thing to be discussing and connecting with people about and hearing um, different stories. But thank you, Joni, for talking about some hard stuff, important stuff, and spreading the love. You've been listening to Sister Radio. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and go to sisterradio.com. I love y'all. Sister Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.